Hey everyone and welcome to the Greater Than Podcast. My name is Elijah Merle. So honored and blessed you took out the time to join us again today, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher, Breaker, all the different platforms. We want to say we're so honored and blessed that you click play on another episode of the Greater Than Podcast. Listen, here's what we got going today. We're talking about why count it all joy? Why count it all joy? Why would you count it all joy based upon a verse in James? Obviously, some of you would know the verse that I'm referring to, but bless us uh, pray. And then we're going to jump right on in. You know, the purpose of the podcast by now, greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. First John. And uh, we just want to take what's going on in the world and even in culture and approach it from a biblical perspective to find and remind ourselves that greater is he on the inside of us than he that is in the world, according to first John four, four. All right, here we go. Let's jump right on in, shall we? Let's pray and dig right on in. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, for the anointing. Lord, I thank you for each and every person who's listening, whatever they're doing, wherever they find themselves in the world. Father, I thank you for speaking to their hearts, speaking to our hearts, revealing truth and revelation from the word that would make us free that would bring us up to a new level in you that would take us to that place father we say we thank you for that we say we trust you and the holy spirit to live big within us on this day that we find ourselves in so that we can go and grow into the knowledge and into the fullness of him who feels all in all and we give you praise for that in jesus name amen all right here we go first john 4-4 is what this podcast is based upon. Now, I want you to remember that as we go through this um, episode about why count it all joy. Uh, why do that? Uh, let's go to James 1, starting in verse 1. Uh, it says, James, a bondservant of the Lord and of, of God, excuse me, and of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brethren. Notice what he says here. He says scattered abroad, by the way. If you look up that word scattered abroad, it, it kind of has the, the, the feel of um, taking seed, right, and throwing it onto the ground and just scattering it abroad. <laughs> literally, right? I can't, I can't, it doesn't come any more clear than that, right? Just literally taking seed and, and scattering it abroad is what's going on here uh, because of what's been going on in the church and the separation that's going on because of persecution. They have been scattered abroad. Now, he says, my brother, here's what I want you to do. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Um, when he says here, count it all joy, he, he literally means count it whole joy, unmixed joy. We're not, well, I, I don't want you to be a little sad and a little glad. I want you to, to count this joy, man. I want you to rejoice in what's going on and the fact that you're going through these uh, tests and tribulations and trials. He's saying because you know something. That's the reason why you can rejoice is because of something you know. Jesus said in John 16, 32 through 33, indeed the hour has come. Yes. Um, has even now come that you will be, watch this, John 16, 32, you will be scattered. Well, what did James say to the brethren here? He said, you who are scattered abroad. We're living in the time that Jesus, these guys at the time they received James' letter are living in the time that Jesus prophesies about here. You're scattered, each to his own, and you'll leave me alone. You'll leave me alone, he says. He's talking about them departing and, and leaving him. And yet, I am not alone. <laughs> this is another instance where people are scattered, and it seems like there's no hope. Because, but Jesus says he has a revelation of God as his Father. He says, I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you might have tribulation. No, that's not what he said. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And here's what we've got to remember. Christ's victory is our victory. Oh, isn't that a beautiful thing? Isn't that a, a, a wonderful truth that is revealed? Now, some of these things I'm going to share with you, you've heard before. 
you've heard in recent times, maybe, or you've heard um, growing up in church or around church. But let me say it like this, like my good friend, Pastor Jolie Hamlin said it. Can't say it quite better than he said it. I'm, I'm adopting this one now. I'm going to give him credit once. It's like the story of Oral Roberts, right? Uh, Pastor, uh, excuse me, Brother Kenneth Copeland, uh, who is someone that I grew up around and listening to the messages from. He Tells the story of Oral Roberts, you know, say what you want to say about Oral Roberts or, you know, anything like that. And there's nobody who's perfect. But I will say this. He has fruit and his fruit is remaining. He was called of God and he did some great things in God. Uh, you know, the spirit of a person is more important than their doctrine. Uh oh. You may not agree with everything. You may not see everything that they see. You may not uh, appreciate everything that they may teach or, or what they've taught. But the spirit of a man, the spirit behind it is more important than the doctrine of it. What's the spirit that's behind it? That goes both ways. That goes, I don't care if it sounds like it's a good thing that you're hearing. What's the spirit behind the doctrine? And then, like I said, the other side of the coin, if it sounds bad to your ears, what's the spirit behind it? We must become aware of the spirit. Anyway, Oral Roberts tells a funny story where he heard one of his uh, spiritual sons share a message and on the name of Jesus. And man, he really loved it and enjoyed it. And he said, you know what, brother, that was a good message. He said, I, I, I'm going to preach that. And I'm going to start out by saying, uh, Kenneth Copeland said this. And then he said, the next time I minister and I say this story again and, and, and use this, you know, not story, but this uh, sermon again, I'm going to say a minister once said. But then he said that third time you're on your own. <laughs> the third time's a charm. I say I, I say that because uh, I'm giving Pastor Joey Hamlin credit this time for what I'm about to say. But on that third time, Pastor Joey, all bets are off. But here is what he said. It's not what's new that sets you free. It's what's true. A lot of times people are looking for a new thing to preach. They're looking for a new thing to teach. But it's not what's new that sets you free, that makes you free. It's what's true, the truth of the word of God. And the truth of the word of God is age during. It doesn't change. These truths are here to stay. So you may have heard some of these truths before. It would not do you any harm to hear it again. All right, let's go here. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be a good cheer. Why? There's always a reason why you're not just being of good cheer because you're getting oh be of good cheer because you're getting beat up and, and life's you know giving you lemons. And so you're trying to make lemonade. And no, 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 no. I've overcome the world. The word tribulation here, that that word means distresses that are brought on and brought about by outward pressures. You know, Paul talks about this in Second Corinthians four, seven through nine. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Isn't that a beautiful thing that the excellence of the power, the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The power is coming from God and not us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. There's a pressure that's going on in their lives. He talked about in another place that on the outside they were fighting and on the inside there were fears that they were having to deal with. Now he talked about in, in, in second Corinthians 11, I think it was, or first Corinthians 11, one of the two. So he talks about all the tribulation that he had uh, gone up against all the persecution, all the betrayals of, of, of men by his own brethren, by people that he thought he could trust all that. Have you ever been there when someone you thought you could trust betrayed you? Well, Paul's been there several times over to the extreme extents. And then he goes on to say, not only this, but also what comes upon me daily, the cares of the churches. There were things that were coming against the apostle Paul, but the apostle Paul found contentment and found strength in the fact that he had a treasure. Uh-oh. Don't let me get excited already in the earthen vessel. There's a treasure there. Why count it all joy? Well, here's the first response I'll give you to that. You count it all joy because it's the appropriate response. Number one, it's the appropriate response. Matthew 5, 11 through 12 says Jesus is talking here. Blessed are you when they when they when they talk bad about you and persecute you, when they revile you, when listen, I, I can't. 
<laughs> I got to make the joke here. There was a lady. She was talking about, you know, talking to someone, wanting to encourage some people. And she said, listen, and she's real, real country. I'm talking about real country. I'm talking about a country that they making up words country. Now, this is what she said. She said, listen, don't let anybody belittle you. <laughs> you heard me. That's what she said. Don't let anyone belittle you. Don't let them. Don't let anyone salvage your name. They will try to do your best to restore you. I mean, restore you. She literally corrects herself and says the exact same word uh, when correcting her grammar. But it's still a truth. Don't allow people to belittle you. Don't allow people to belittle you. Don't allow them to sabotage your name. Don't allow them to destroy you. Is the, is the, is the proper uh, translation of those uh, <laughs> of those uh, hillbilly tongues, right? But don't let them do that. Jesus said when they do that, when they persecute you, when they say all kinds of evil about you falsely for my sake, rejoice. He's saying this is the appropriate response. This is a response of faith that you do. You rejoice and you be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He's saying you're in good company. And for us, they persecuted the apostles before us. They persecuted uh, Martin Luther before us or any of the old patriarchs uh, that has been around in more recent years that you can think of. They persecuted them first. And man, we are called to rejoice. Why do we count? Why do we always uh, why count it all joy? Why do that? Because it's the appropriate response. Jesus said that same account in Luke 6, 21 through 23. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Man, laughter is a part of the blessing. That's another podcast. Blessed are you who when men hate you and when they uh size your name, when they revile you and cast you out your and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Once again, this isn't because you did something stupid, but this is going on because of the son of man's sake, because people do things uh, that are to their own hurt and to their own detriment. And then they claim that they're doing the work of God, but it had nothing to do with Christ. It had nothing to do for the son of man's sake. So therefore you are to live with that you are to get over it you are to live with the consequences you don't have any cause to rejoice then but he's saying if it is for the sake of the son of man rejoice in that day and leap for joy he goes on to say for indeed your reward is great in heaven for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets when he says leap for joy uh, there are several cases on record where this was literally done by the martyrs that we see people who are about to be martyred. There were little, there were little cases in in church history where they were rejoicing and singing before they were burned to the stake, before they were beheaded, before the lion came out to to attack them and and and, and to 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 kill them. Oh man, what a thought! What a thought when 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 the enemy does all these things and these people choose to rejoice. Rejoicing is not an option, ladies and gentlemen. It's a command. <laughs> it's a part of what we do as kingdom citizens. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, he said in Romans 14, 17, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. First Thessalonians 5, 16 says, rejoice always. In the Passion Translation, it says, let joy be your continual feast. The Amplified says, watch this, be happy in your faith. Oh, keep that in mind. Be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad hearted continually. Always. We respond with joy because it's appropriate. That's why, why do we count? Why count it all joy? Because it's the appropriate response. Point number two, because joy strengthens you. Nehemiah 8, 8 through 10 says they read from the book in the law of the Lord and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or nor weep for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto him, go your way, eat 
the fat, drink the sweet and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be sorrowful for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is what strengthens us. It's what enables us to keep going. It's what enables us to go and be and finish strong. uh, Paul said that I'm going to finish my course with joy. You can say it like this in light of Nehemiah. He's going to finish strong because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy in the Lord is the natural result of Christian faith. I'm going to say that again. Joy in the Lord is the natural result of Christian faith. We're not talking about a joy. When he says be rejoice over the, you know, when you're going through these trials and everything, he's not saying you rejoice that you're getting beat up in, 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 in the, in the sense of you're rejoicing in, well, let's just take it for, let's take this example. Uh, we're not, saying to rejoice over the fact that maybe someone you were close to or maybe yourself if you listen to this podcast have been diagnosed with something you're not rejoicing over the fact that you got diagnosed oh we're going to get to the reason one one of my favorite reasons why we rejoice is coming up but but you're not rejoicing in in that you're rejoicing in the lord that he has provided a way of escape that he is faithful it's the natural result of christian faith um joy and laughter cs lewis is quoting as said as saying excuse me that laughter and joy is the serious business of heaven so when you choose to rejoice When you choose to laugh at the enemy and laugh at circumstances, you're yielding to the blessing because Jesus said that the part of the blessing is laughter. You're yielding to the blessing of the Lord and you're allowing God to do and working on your behalf to take care of serious business. When you choose to rejoice and give praise unto God, joy is the is the serious business of heaven. Joy in the Lord is the natural result of Christian faith. Can I prove that to you? Romans 15, 13 says this. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're seeing you show me someone who's in faith. I'll show you someone who has some joy and peace about him. Joy and peace are evident in believing. If your joy is off, if your peace is off, ladies and gentlemen, you're not in faith. I tell you what, you got the little crack to prove it, man. I'll tell you, you are not in faith. Oh, man, I tell you. Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Notice what the, the big three are. Love, joy, and peace in believing. This is what it is, man. Love, joy, and peace. Those are the indications that you're in faith because faith works by love. Come on now. Ooh, that's good. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Why am I talking about this? Because we're living in a time and in a season where people's joy level on in their faith mobile, if, if we can use that analogy, people's joy meter engage in their faith mobile is on E or it's on a, uh, a place where it's dangerously low. <laughs> and what we find ourselves in, if your joy is not on the full and your peace is not on the full, if, if faith is, it can be likened to a vehicle, it's going to sputter to a halt and leave you on the roadside of despair. But if the joy is on the full and if the peace is on the full, Man, I tell you what, you can travel life's winding roads and curbs with great momentum when you have your joy and peace on the full. Joy is the natural response and result of the Christian faith. It's the serious business of heaven. When you rejoice, when you choose to rejoice, making the quality decision to rejoice because it's appropriate. And when you make that appropriate response, it allows God to strengthen you. You know, Isaiah 40, 20. 8 through 31 says this, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. Oh my goodness. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord 
shall renew their strength. Well, what is our strength? The joy of the Lord. They who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When he says that they shall renew their strength, Remember we said that they wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. When he says renew their strength, it literally means to change their strength. The Hebrew word commonly means to change, to alter, and then to revive, to renew, to cause, to flourish again as a tree that has decayed and fallen down. To cause to come back to life, to quicken. They who wait upon the Lord will be changed, will change their strength. One translation actually says, will exchange their strength. Ladies and gentlemen, when you yield to the joy of the Lord, and you allow him to do that work in you, when you stay in faith and you choose to rejoice, even in the face of adversity, even in the face of what's going on in the world, but whether it's politics or racial racial differences that are going on, racial injustice that has been going on, when you choose to rejoice, not to be complacent and say, well, I guess I'm just going to rejoice instead of doing something about it. No, you're doing what you can about it, but you're not allowing the enemy to put worry on you. You're not allowing the enemy to put his burden on you because you have chosen to take up Christ's burden that is easy, the yoke that is easy, and that is the burden that is light. And I'm telling you what, when you choose to rejoice, I believe we exchange strength. (laughs) We exchange our strength for his strength when we wait upon the Lord and when we wait upon him with joy. When it means wait, one of the translations I love for wait is to remain stationary until someone arrives. In other words, you're waiting on the next instruction. You're waiting on the next thing that God would speak to your heart and illuminate your mind to do and to walk into. So therefore we wait, not uh, twiddling our thumbs, not waiting like your dad would wait for your mom to get through shopping and sitting on the bench. No, I'm saying we're waiting on the Lord in expectation. We're waiting on him with hope. We are expecting him to move. We're expecting him to do what he said he would do. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, we are letting the God of hope Oh, there's hope again. Feel you. That's what waiting on the Lord is. Wait literally means to expect. You're, you're, it, it has to do with hope. Uh, it's like the Old Testament version of the word hope in the New Testament. It's an expectation. The God of expectation will fill you with all joy and peace in your believing that you may abound in expectation by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we choose to rejoice in the face of calamity, in the face of destruction and famine, when we choose to laugh at the enemy, not laugh at the fact that something happened to you, not doing something crazy, obviously, but to laugh at impossibilities because we serve a God with whom all things are possible. And when we believe him, which if we are believing him, one of the indications, two of the indications is going to be joy and peace. It makes the thing that was impossible now possible. When we wait upon the Lord in expectation of hope, and if we're in hope, we're going to be in joy and in peace. When we do that, we exchange, we alter, we revive, we're renewed, we're caused to flourish again, that which was decaying. Psalms 84, 5 through 7 says this, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of of, of Balak or Baca, I don't know how to say that. I'm butchering it. Y'all excuse me. They make it a spring. Oh, keep that in mind. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Ooh, come on now. Each one appears before God in Zion. The Passion Translation says it like this. Even when their paths wind through the dark valley of tears, they dig deep wells to find a pleasant pool where others find only pain. Mm. 
because we respond appropriately and we respond differently. Where others find uh, pain, we find a pleasant pool. He gives to them, he goes on to say, a brook of blessing filled from the rain of an outpouring. Oh, that's good. They grow stronger and stronger with every step forward. And the God of all gods will appear before them in Zion. <laughs> He's saying that in the nighttime, in the place and in the valley where there is sadness, the valley of tears is really what that means. What Baca means is a valley of tears. When you go there, you'll dig deep and you'll find there a pleasant pool where others find only pain. Good God. You're rejoicing when others who would be in that same situation you are would just yield to the tears and yield to the frustration and stay in that place and not allow the joy of the Lord to bring them out. And when we allow the joy of the Lord to bring us out where there has been uh, deficiency, where there has been valleys of dark tears, we find a pleasant well and we grow stronger and stronger with every step forward. Job 35 10 says this, but no one says, where is God my maker who gives songs in the night? I want to give an example of someone who made, he said, you can make the valley of tears a deep, pleasant pool. I want to give an example of people who did that by rejoicing. Acts 16, 23 through 26, we talked about the wind God was not in not too long ago in the podcast where we talked about uh, wind and, and the earthquake and fire. Here's the earthquake story again, a beautiful story of Paul and Silas. It says, then the multitude rose up against them. They beat him with rods. They threw him in prison. He goes on to say, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were rejoicing and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Ladies and gentlemen, they literally made their bollock a spring. They made the valley of tears a spring. They made it a pleasant well where others could come, where others can be saved, where others can experience the presence of God by the influence of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the valley of weeping becomes seasons of pleasant and pure of the purest joys. And let me say that again, by the influence of the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, the valley of weeping becomes the most, the seasons of purest joy because of who's with you, because of the comforter, because of the peace that he gives you, because of the joy and peace that's found in believing because of that. When you yield to the joy of the Lord, it will make your tears a well. Just as the showers turned a wilderness into a garden, so faith turns the disadvantages to profit. Just like what happened here in this story in Psalms, turning the wilderness into a garden, faith will turn disadvantage into profit. In Isaiah 35, 5 through 10, it says, then the eyes of the blind will be open. He's turning it around. He's flipping it on his head. He's, he's making it all work together for our good because we have not yielded. We've responded properly to what's going on. We responded with joy. That joy is strengthening us. We're exchanging our strength, putting down our strength and taking upon ourselves and receiving into ourselves his very strength. We're making the valley of tears into a spring that gives us life. He said, that's what happened here in Isaiah. The eyes of the, of the blind were going to be open. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer. The tongue of the dumb will sing for waters will burst forth in the wilderness and springs in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool. The thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals, which eat where each lay. There shall be grass with reeds and red. I'm telling you, this is 
a beautiful picture. A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. Those who are unsaved, those who don't see what we see. By the way, there's supposed to be a difference between us and the rest of the world. We're getting our joy from the right source. Our joy is not determined upon what's going on in the world. Our joy is not determined upon what's going on in the news. Our joy is found in him. The joy that we have is the joy that's been given to us by him and the world didn't give it. So therefore the world cannot take it away. He goes on to say the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, though, although a fool shall not go astray, no lion shall be there. There's not going to be any, any uh, demon activity here. There's a place in God that you can go. Not even Satan dare go. Good God almighty. That's good stuff, man. That's so good. Ron Burgundy joined in on the, on the preaching. I got a little bobblehead uh, with Ron Burgundy. When I hit the table right then, he started preaching. And then, well, he wasn't preaching. He was just saying he was kind of a big deal. But anyway, the truth remains. There are places in God and in his spirit that Satan himself dare not go. And when you choose to rejoice, when you choose to, let me keep reading. There's no lion that will be there, nor ravenous beast will go up on it. There shall not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing with everlasting joy on their heads. There's a place in God. There's a place in joy that Satan will himself will not dare go. They will obtain joy and gladness and sorrow. He goes on to say, and sighing will flee away. There's a place in God that Satan dare not go. When you choose to rejoice, when you choose to lift your voice, I'm telling you what, man, when you choose, not, don't let things steal your joy. What just happened here with the little thing that happened with me, my Ron Burgundy bobblehead going off? Man, oh man, I, I didn't let that steal my joy. I said, let's incorporate that into the podcast. <laughs> don't let the enemy steal your joy. Because if, you, if, he won't, if he can't steal your joy, and if he does steal your joy, actually, he can take your goods. He can, he can keep your possessions. But if you, like Paul said to the church in Hebrews, well, we, we believe that Paul wrote Hebrews. A lot of people, I don't really know that. But that's what's widely believed. Whoever wrote it said this to the people who were going through. He said, you gladly rejoice at the plundering of your goods. Because you know you've got something more eternal. Once again, it goes back to what you know. It goes back to what you know, and it goes back to what you believe. Psalms, uh, Isaiah, excuse me, 12, verse 1 through 3 says this about joy. And in that day, you will say, oh, Lord, I'll praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He has also become my salvation. That sounds like Jesus, by the way. He goes on to say, therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The way you draw out of the spirit, he says, therefore, with joy. Is joy the bucket? No. Faith is the bucket, but if you're really in faith, the Bible says you will have he, the God of hope, will fill you with all joy and peace while you're believing. When you trust, when you look beyond what's seen into the realm of the unseen, where you go to a place where you're pulling and drawing from God's spirit what you need, you're drawing from the wells, plural, of salvation, the three wells, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You're drawing from those wells with with joy. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Point number three. Why count it all joy? Why did why count it all joy? Here's why. Because I believe God. That's number three. Here we go. Oh, I'm tell you what, I'm gonna get excited now. I, I was hitting tables earlier, causing Ron Burgundy to get all excited. But let's see where we're gonna go now. Romans 15, 13. He says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Amplified says it like this. May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound and be overflowing or bubbling over with hope. 
He says this in, in Romans 15 verse 4 about hope and, and, and what he's talking about here, the God of hope. He's saying for whatever things were written, talking about in the Bible, written in the Torah at that point, written by the letters and now for us, written by the Holy Spirit who made sure that we were given the Bible. The Holy Bible was written there, was written for our learning that we through patience and the comfort of the scriptures may have hope. And this hope is an anchor for the soul. This hope is the one that rejoices. This hope is the one that rejoices looking unto the hills from which comes the help, our help that comes from the Lord. This is the same thing that Jesus said. The Bible says that he, by this joy, he patiently endured the cross and despised the shame because he had hope. He was in joy. He was rejoicing in that day. The joy set before him helped him to endure. The joy that was set before him, the expectation of good that was set before him, hope. I'm telling you what, when you're in hope, when you're in faith, there's joy about it. There's peace about it because you have a good expectation about your future. When's the last time you rejoiced about your future? It's when we read the scriptures, when we have patience in the scriptures, that's what gives us this hope that anchors the soul. That's what gives us this access into the joy of the Lord. To know joy and peace through believing, we must begin by knowing what is to be believed from Holy Scripture. I'm going to say that again. To know joy and peace through believing, we must first begin by knowing what is to be believed from Holy Scriptures. He said in John 15, 11, this is what Jesus said. I will prove it to you. These things have I spoken to you. The things that we now have is Holy Scripture and Holy Canon. This, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy may remain in you and your joy may be full. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You could readily uh, translate that. It also is this joy comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it's according to your response, whether or not it's going to be joy because the rich young ruler heard words on that day but the bible says he didn't receive it and he was sad at that saying but how we receive the word of god if we will receive it with joy if we'll receive it as first thessalonians 2 13 says not as the words of mere men but as it is in truth the word of god it will effectually work in us who believe it I'm telling you, that's what you want, ladies and gentlemen, whether you realize it or not. You want to have the word of God to effectually work in you who believe it. And if you're believing, what do we know is going to happen? There will be joy and peace, even in the face of the trial, even in the face of the tribulation. I don't care what's going on. You will yield to joy and peace. If you're not yielding to joy and peace, you are not in faith. And that is not OK. I can't listen. I'm not going to sugarcoat it with you. It's just simply not okay. Let's keep going here, and we're about to wrap it up. Psalms 119, 162 says this, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. The Passion Translation says it like this, Your promises are the, are the source of my bubbling joy. The revelation of your word thrills me like one who has discovered hidden treasures. I can't read that without talking about my spiritual grandfather, Kenneth E. Hagen, Sr. Now, he said, one time my spiritual father, Keith Moore, was in a service and he had eaten a lot of Mexican food with his buddy and they were going and they were in classes in Rama and they were going there. So they were going to another class. I thought Brother Hagen was teaching it. They were sitting in the close in the front row, getting all sleepy. You've been there before. I've been there before where your eyes get heavy. It's the, you know, the worst thing is when you fall asleep and don't realize that you did until you wake up. That's the worst in church to happen. Brother Moore and his friend are sitting close in the front row there. All of a sudden, as they begin to fall asleep, Brother Hagen is standing in front of them and he claps his hands and he says, get excited, boys. It's when you get excited and thrilled with the word of God that it works for you. Well, this is what the psalmist is saying. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Your promises, he says, are the source of my bubbling joy. The revelation of your word thrills me. 
Verse Samuel 1, 6 through 9 tells an, an inspiring story about Hannah. Her womb was closed. And the Bible says that she had um, her husband was married to two women, herself and another woman who was her adversary, who provoked her, who who would tell her, man, you're good for nothing because you're barren. Have you ever been there, ladies and gentlemen? Have you ever been there when friends would come up to you and tell you you're good for nothing, that you're not going to amount to anything, that you're not going to be anything? And they try to belittle you, <laughs> belittle you. And they try to make you feel like you're not, you're insignificant. And that's what Hannah was dealing with. And she wept. Her husband said to her one time, Hannah, why are you weeping? Am I not better than 10 kids? Good night. I can see Hannah just crying even louder in response to that. But the Bible says that Hannah arose and she went to, to the, to the place, uh, to the tabernacle of the Lord, excuse me. And the high priest was was sitting there whose name was Eli. The Bible goes on to tell us that she was in bitterness of soul. She was sad and she prayed for the to the Lord and wept. And he says, and we'll read it here in first Samuel one, verse 15. But Hannah answered and said, because Eli saw her and said, girl, you drunk. You need to get up out of here. And she answered him and said, Lord, no, my Lord, I am a woman. Watch this of sorrowful spirit. Have you ever been there? Hope deferred, the Bible says, makes the heart sick. She's a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have dr- drunk neither I, I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink. I poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and my grief have I spoken until now. Then Elijah said, or excuse me, Eli said, "Go in peace, and the Lord God of Israel will grant your petition which you have asked of him." And she said, let your handmaiden find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate. She wasn't eating before then. She ate and her face, watch this, was no more sad. She received the word and she received it not as a word of a mere man, the priest Eli, but as it was in truth, the word of God. And it effectually worked in her. The Bible goes on to say that her and her husband knew each other. They committed the sex act and she gave birth to Samuel, one of the major prophets in the Bible, because she received the word with joy. She no longer yielded to grief and sadness. Why why am I saying this? She believed the word and it produced in her. She believed the word and it produced joy and that joy produced a child. Ooh, that is not in my notes. I'm going to say that again. She believed the word and it produced joy and that joy produced a child. That joy that she felt that she was leaping and she was giving praise to God. That joy she felt she would hold in her hand. Good night. That's powerful. That joy that she yielded to would be seen in the joy of her newborn as he's running and playing that same joy that she received the word, believed the word, received that word and had a hope and an expectation. And and that word, she received it just like we received the Holy Scripture and that produced in her a hope an expectation of good. And she received because she believed God. Point number three, why do I count it all joy? Because I believe God. Her countenance was no more sad. It was no more sorrowful and dejected, but it was cheerful, brisk, and lively, believing that her prayers and those of the high priest would be answered. As we wrap this up, let me tell you about Paul. Oh, I love this story of Paul. Paul was he was going on a ship in Acts 27. He's a prisoner. He received in a spirit that it wasn't going to be a good trip and a good voyage. He told him not to go, but they went anyway because the owner of the ship said to go. By the way, this is another good reason why you need to have your own car. This is another reason why you, and if, if you need it, you may need your own airplane. Another reason why if you need it, you may need your own train because you can control it. You can say, you know what, guys, we're not going anywhere today because I don't have peace about it. What if Paul owned the boat? Man, I tell you, they wouldn't be going anywhere and they wouldn't have lost the ship, but they get shipwrecked. In Acts 27, verse 20, we're going to jump into this story. And when neither sun nor star in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. They got into this uh, typhoon. They got into this hurricane. The, the Bible gives us the name of the hurricane. They get into this thing and it's a big bag hurricane. 
And they're at a place where they've lost all hope. All hope is lost. That includes, ladies and gentlemen, the Apostle Paul. You've got to remember this. Us, those who minister the word of God, communicate the word of God, who have that honor and privilege. We may have a special anointing to preach and teach these things, but we don't have any special anointing to live it. We've got to live it by faith just like you do, who maybe you don't have the the gift of communicating like uh, what another minister has that you may listen to. Well, we don't have any special anointing to live it. We may have a special anointing to communicate it. We don't have any special anointing to live it. It's the same thing that rings true here with Paul. He himself is despairing. He himself has lost hope. But then the Bible says, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. Paul went on a fast, ladies and gentlemen, and said, sirs, you should have hearkened to me. I hate to to say I told you so, but I told you so. You should have hearkened to me and not sailed from Crete. And we would have lost. We hadn't. We didn't have to gain this harm and this loss. He said, but now I exhort you. Be of good cheer. (laughs) Rejoice, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God. Ooh, I'm getting goosebumps. Whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given you all that sell with you. Man, people have no idea how thankful they need to be when born again, spirit filled believers get on airplanes. Because not only will God protect you, but he'll protect the lives of all those who sell with you. Wherefore, sirs, he goes on to say, be of good cheer. And I'm about to get excited. So I'm going to warn your earbuds anyway in advance. For I believe God that it shall be. Even as it was told me, I tell you what, I go around quoting this verse every now and then often. I'm of good cheer for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. We're not rejoicing in the fact that we're shipwrecked. You're not rejoicing in the fact that the diagnosis came back and it's positive. We're not rejoicing in that. We're rejoicing because we've got a higher report and we believe God that it shall be even as first Peter two twenty four told me that by his stripes, I am healed. It's the appropriate response and that strengthens you. And we're doing all of it because we simply believe God. First Corinthians 13, six says this love does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. I'm not rejoicing in the sickness. I'm rejoicing in the truth of the word of God that says by his stripes, I'm healed. I'm not rejoicing because I hadn't seen my kids in forever and they're not. No, I'm rejoicing because I serve the one who mends, who restores, who binds back, who joins back together. I rejoice because I know him. The the, the one translation of that verse in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6 says this in in the Young's literal, it rejoices not over the unrighteousness and rejoices with the truth. We're not rejoicing because we're getting beat up. We're rejoicing because we get beat. We got beat up because of the fact that we're serving him. We're, we're, we're rejoicing because of him. We're rejoicing because of our relationship with him. The Knox translation says it like this. Love takes no pleasure in wrongdoing, but rejoices at the victory of truth. We're not rejoicing in the wrongdoing. We don't take any pleasure in that, but we are rejoicing at the victory we'll see because the truth is what sets us free. We're rejoicing at the victory of truth. We know that the truth of the word of God will prevail every single time. Let me wrap it up with this. First Peter one, seven through nine. Why count it all joy? Well, number one, because it's the appropriate response. (laughs) That's why. Number two, it strengthens me. It, it, It enables me to, when I rejoice, I literally exchange my strength for his strength. When I make the quality decision to rejoice, and I'm not going to feel like it at first, but when I do it in the flesh, I'll tap over into the spirit. What am I doing? I'm exchanging strength. (laughs) And I do it because when I rejoice, I turn my valley of tears into a spring. I turn it into a spring. I'm going into a place in God that Satan himself would dare not go. I'm going into a place of rejoicing and the wicked one touches me not. Oh, that's powerful. And I'm rejoicing because I simply believe God.
First Peter 1, 7 through 9, and I'm wrapping it up. I held you a little bit longer, but you know how we get down. He says that the trial of your faith being more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried in the fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. In whom, though you see him not, watch this, yet believing, you rejoice. With joy unspeakable and full of glory. Watch this, though. Receiving. uh, Man, we, we fumbled again on the voice. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Ladies and gentlemen. We've got, to, we've got to make the transition. What do I mean by that? I'll tell you what I mean by it. He says, yet believing, you rejoice. There are people who say that they're believing, but they're not rejoicing. When's the last time you rejoiced over it? When's the last time you rejoiced over your healing? When's the last time you rejoiced over the fact that if you're a minister and you're wanting to speak in places, when's the last time that you rejoice that your calendar is booked before you see it? When's the last time you rejoiced about um, selling out all those properties that you're wanting to sell? When's the last time you rejoiced over that thing and just got happy about it? When's the last time you did that? Because he said this, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving. (laughs) You've got to make the transition. When When you go from believing, that's great, but then you make the transition into rejoicing, You make the transition from believing into receiving. And a lot of people have not made the transition. Make the transition. Yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable. I'm going to say it like this. Yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving. You've made the transition receiving the end of your faith, the end of your expectation, the salvation of your soul. And salvation is not just talking about the appearing of our Lord. That is definitely included. And that's definitely one of the main points. But salvation has to include health, deliverance, salvation of, of, of soul and of mind and of body. This has to do with total salvation of the spirit, the soul and the body. When you rejoice make the transition ladies and gentlemen i'm telling you when god when you do that you transition from believing into receiving rejoice in the lord always i'm telling you guys and again i'll say rejoice let me pray for you father god we rejoice we rejoice over your word as one who found the great spoil Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your anointing. We pray that uh, this word touched the right people in the right time and the right seasons. We're not rejoicing over iniquity, but we're rejoicing in the truth, the truth of the word of God. We're not rejoicing because of a diagnosis, but we're rejoicing and we're of good cheer because the greater one, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And he has already overcome. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus name. We make the choice to rejoice. Amen. I love you guys so much. Went a little bit over time, but I'm telling you what, what a great podcast we've had, man. I got excited banging the table. Ron Burgundy had a cameo in it, man. It was all, I don't even know if you guys could hear that or not. Oh, but it was a great time. Listen, guys, I love y'all so much. My name's Elijah Merle. Leave that like a comment and review. Let us know that the podcast is blessing you. Remember this greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Thank you for listening to the Greater Than Podcast. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at murrellministries.com. That's M-U-R-R-E-L-L ministries.com. Merle Ministries International.